Hey, this is Dallas Smith, and you're listening to the Monday Nooner Podcast. Hello, friends. This is Big Kenny of Big and Rich, and you're listening to the Monday Nooner Podcast. Hey, this is former Fort Carlton Hockey League playoff MVP Kelly Taylor coming at you, and you're listening to the Monday Nooner Podcast. There's two guys, in my opinion, that were the toughest guys in the NHL I played. Dave Brown and Joey Kosher. Dave Brown, if you beat him, now it was best of seven. And Joey Kosher, you could beat him, but if he hit you, he could end your career. Front of the net, getting cross that guy slaps it, defenseman, off my ass, and barely made it in. <laughs> Why wouldn't the guy get his 50th off his ass and then? I couldn't go self, could I? <laughs> Welcome to all the degenerates and pigeons tuned in. Welcome to twirl number eight of the Monday Nooner podcast coming live from Realty One Regina. Hope you're doing well this week. Want to give a shout out to our sponsors, starting off Dave Spooner, Cathedral Electric, Joel Trapp of Realty One in Regina, Healthy Eyes Optometry, Dr. Sean Fleming, Great Western for the Brewskis, 22 Fresh. Got the promo code Monday Nooner. We're going to talk about the tarps in just a moment. Gentle Procedure Saskatchewan and the No Needle Vasectomy. Last Mountain Distillery. We've got some new drink concoctions we want to chat about. Dave Price from Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon and area. Our latest sponsor, and of course, Willie's Roadhouse in Bethune. They took us out to Wicks. What a what a time that was back on twirl number seven. Big shout out to them. They've got limos for any occasion that you might need them. Make sure you check them out in Bethune. Gentlemen, how are we doing this week? Starting with you, Kindrop. Hello, Brandon, you moody little bastard. What's happening? <laughs> That's the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. The guy with, <laughs> there, he's fired up. If I of, ever heard it. The guy with the shortest fuse I have ever met in my entire <laughs> freaking life calls me moody. Shink. Uh, and like doing? we always say, let's use these freaking sponsors, boys. Okay, what's going on with the tarps? Because we have these 22 fresh tarps. I was actually talking to a guy and he's like, what kind of... What kind of t-shirt is this? And I'm like, it's exactly like this one. He's like, seriously? Good quality. Yeah, it's not what's what's that what's that brand? The, the, the shitty brand that everyone buys that thinks it's cheap. Kirkland? Joe Fresh? Kirkland? No, like, no, like it's not Joe Boxer. Like this is Joe Boxer. Like this isn't that pussy skull stuff. Like this is legitimate tarps. Like, it's they're comfy. They're like it's, it's I was at the lake com- I was at the lake last week and one of my cousins commented because I was wearing something twenty two fresh every day and, and uh, he's like, What are you sponsored by them or something? And I'm like, Well, they're kind of a sponsor of the podcast actually and he was completely joking. But I said, yeah, like what's your what's your part of though? You you have to try it out. It's very yeah, very nice. And we have till July tenth, right? Tenth. Hopefully, you're listening to this within one of the first two days when it drops, and you're not like a week late because you probably missed the deadline of getting a tarp. But basically, it's a Monday nooner tarp. You can find it on our social medias. The great thing about it, all the proceeds going to the Outdoor Hockey League in Regina. And for those wondering, the Outdoor Hockey League, I just wanted to quickly 
tell everybody what that is. It's a free of charge recreational opportunity for families who are unable to participate in traditional organized sports. All the equipment is provided, eliminating the need for hard to afford purchases like helmets, pads, like some skates nowadays are like 800 bucks. Like oh, maybe yeah. not kids at that age, but you're, you're saving no. those costs so the kids can 600 play. at least. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the money's going, the proceeds are going to that. The tarp is awesome. The beauty thing that I mentioned before that I love is it's unique. You're not the same pigeon walking around with the same shirt as everybody else. And yeah, everything about it. It's got the WWAG hashtag on the back. It's a super cool. And like, and I've had a couple girls that I know interested being like, I want to buy it, but I don't want them to think I'm a trash bag because it says Monday Nooner. You know what? Let them think what they're going to think. Like, I think the shirts are cool. My wife bought one. My sister-in-law bought one. Like, people are buying them. My son's rolling to St. Bernadette next year in one. Bought him one. Yeah, let, like, people get your head out of the gutter. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of sickos. Yeah, no, there's lots of people, males, females. Look on Um, our, look on the socials and you can figure out a way and it's only pre-ordered. You got to the 10th to do it 22 fresh the monday noon or top so coming up in twirl number eight it's uh brought to you by joel trap realty and the fantastic folks at realty one where we're recording again this week back in the home base here joel's your guy if you're looking for realty anything in the regina area he can help you out commercial or residential Joel Trap, two P's on the back end. Find them on all the socials or just look up Realty One Joel Trap. So we're going to talk to Willie Desjardins. Massive resume as a coach, WHL, a little bit in the NHL, international hockey. A great interview with Willie Desjardins, who hails from Climax, Saskatchewan. You wanted AAA, Crestview Rangers talk, all you senior hockey people out there. Well, we have the two architects, so to speak, of the... 2000 senior triple a regina crestview rangers coming up in the senior hockey soiree the pigeon parlay boz very curious where you're going to go this week because that whole golf thing has got me uh scratching my head and we're going to talk on about a few other things shout outs to everybody and all that so the come up as always joel trap realty one we love you you guys are fantastic thanks for letting us use this deadly boardroom I think we need like a sponsored segment like Boz's shout outs of the week because I always say shout out to that guy, shout out to that gal. Maybe we should get a sponsor on that. But had a friend of mine, uh, Tegan, one of the old ice crew back in the day. She messaged me on Canada Day. She was at the lake with her family and she's like, drinking game for the day, listening to the twirl. Every time somebody says, why wouldn't a guy, why wouldn't a girl, why wouldn't a hunter brother, why wouldn't a anything take a drink? And she's like already at like 50, why wouldn't a... Why wouldn't a Tegan... Yeah, so shout out to her for that drinking game. I know I went back and re-listened. And- Some good shout outs too. We had uh, Chris Schultz in Alberta, brother of Nick Schultz, who we're going to have on the program. He's tuned in. Jason Forrest also out in Alberta. How you doing? Thanks for tuning in. Colin Back, local guy. Everyone knows him. Thanks for helping out in the Regina area. How about Mike Sissons, our friend uh, Sizzle? I know him from Saskatoon. Chimed in on the old up Twitter. Prince Albert, I believe. Guy's an absolute beauty. Did you see when he chimed in where he was driving through Duck Lake. 
If you look at that Twitter closely, it says that's where he actually Why wouldn't the duck, a Glenn, Scrim- Why wouldn't the duck? a Glenn Scrimshaw print. So I had a message, and we're going to have to get this guy. I told this guy we'd get him on because there's something about this podcast and how it strikes a chord with senior. When we talk about a senior team, they always reach out to us in one way or another, whether it's a follow or, you know, quoting what we said. Well, I had Jesse Matson message us, boys. He's the head coach of the Watchers Winterhawks. And you know how we crown Drake? And my buddy from Watchers is like, hold yeah. the phone. Said, I've been the head coach, been with the team for six years, head coach last two and a couple provincial A runs. Would love to come on and chat. Didn't say what he wants to say, but he wants to come on and chat and clear something up based on what we said in Twirl 7. So. Oh, Jesse, get in line, my <laughs> friend. And uh, hey, you sponsor that senior soiree, though. You can always uh, come in. You know what? Talking about senior hockey, we're going to get to it a little bit later. What phase is senior hockey going to be in, boys? Because now we're into, you know, pools are open. We're all going to play bingo obviously on July 9th. I'm getting a crew together. We're going to do that. That's going to be fun. Going to black out. I think that senior hockey should have its own freaking phase, like phase 6.9 or whatever it is that senior hockey is allowed to go. Well, considering that phase 5 is wide open, I would just do like 4.8. Or okay, 4.8. let's go 4.8. <laughs> well, how many people are allowed in a gathering right now? But senior hockey shouldn't fall into that because everyone's guzzling. No, but that's what I'm... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's going to be some creative footwork. Most of those old barns, you could social distance six feet apart. Or just say you are. There's worse things in those barns that'll kill you before the COVID. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Crake. Almost that door. Uh, I know you sent us a a message, Kenner, about uh, something going on on Cabri, the alma mater. Let's give uh, Cabri a big plug. (laughs) This is the Cabri plug of the week. Give Kenner an entry. (laughs) I don't know if you guys know this, that uh, Cabri does have a senior team, and they are... Putting on a golf tournament as a fundraiser. They went AAA once. Weren't they trying to qualify for the Olympics? Yeah, it might have been a steak cookout they had for AAA, but they got a golf tournament they're they're doing as a fundraiser September 18th, and the cost is $130 at Elmwood, which they actually have a pretty good meal and a decent track. track. So 18 holes, cart and supper. There will be some auction items. I heard I got a jersey there with a raffle in the clubhouse, but stay tuned for more details. You can follow them on Instagram. No free plugs. They better give us an Dogs or let Jade Telke know if you would like to enter. You can enter as a single, twosome, or a foursome. Is Jade a girl or a guy? Jade is a lady. Right on. Get Jade a message. Get in because I, I haven't played Why wouldn't it, Jade? Elmwood in so long. Love that track. Love that town. Yeah, everybody jump on board. Should I, should I, should I quickly slide in what we're going to do for senior teams next year? For stuff like that, we're going to get a senior team in every league. And when they have banquets or, you know, they bring a speaker in or something like that. And then their home games for provincials and all that. We're going to plug you on the pod in exchange. You're wearing Monday Nooner podcast helmet stickers, the whole team, and we get uh, Bar tab. Three, we, we get a uh, Monday Nooner um, advertisement in your program. So if you're in any league, we already have two teams lined up that ready to go. So Cabri's probably going to be our team in the white mud unless Abby gets a team back in, but I doubt that's going to happen. So all that VLT guy, friend of the program. And there's others that are now on your lawn that they're taking their golf picks. And let's just get into gambling now because we said we're going to go play bingo on the ninth. Yeah. And let's just do your pigeon parlay. And I actually reached out to VLT guy today because a couple episodes ago I said like I was going to compete against him. And then he actually picked a winner that week. And last week he had this guy, Ryan Armour, who was like in the mix in the final pair. Didn't end up winning, obviously. The mad scientist Bryson DeChambeau won, who I saw you take a run out on Twitter. Uh, Seven protein shakes. 
like that's a lot of protein. You were kind of chirping him and how he swings and and uh, how he's going to like twist the knee or something on your Twitter. Yeah, I think he's going to get hurt. I Definitely. think it's I think it's really hard to. I was looking at his stats. He has seven top tens in a row. Like the guy is is going to be a weapon. I think. I know he's going to hurt something. You watch. He's a he's going to get too fat and he's going to hurt something. You think? Yeah. And how hard he's swinging. <laughs> He's going to skip a few days in the gym. It's going to happen. Watch. Anyways, well, he's made five mil this year. So he I'm not comparing. I don't want to get into that. He can that. afford a few months. I don't off. like him. I don't like the guy. He's kind of a nerd. And, every, and like that's what the PGA is going to hang their hat on right now until Eldrick gets back. So it just it's bothers me. It's super sickening, though. The announcers are always you know, talking about him, going at him. But anyway. Oh, Jim Nance got such a tough gig. Pigeon parlay of the week. I want to quickly uh, mention mine, and then I'm going to mention a message I got from VLT guy. So this week, the Workday Charity Open, I'm going to throw two bets on right now and watch my Twitter and the Monday Nooner Twitter because I will be adding to these. Victor Hovland, going to slap some money on the young Dutch kid. Played good. I think he's 26 to 1. He's going to win eventually. He's due. And Joachim Neiman was in the mix two weeks ago last time he played. He's 46 to 1. Slap a couple units on Joachim. And I messaged VLT guy. I'll try and go relatively quick on this because he sent me about six paragraphs. I said, hey, you got any picks this week? Any Katie Perry's, he calls him, the dark horse picks of the week, which I think is relatively clever. He said, couple Katie Perry's for you. Mac Hughes, 126 to 1. Jason Duff, Daddy Duffner, 150 to 1. Great price. He's won here before. And I'll skip a few of these because he sent me a lot. He's, he's a great follow on Twitter. What I want yeah, from him... Yeah, watch his Twitter. Watch I, his Twitter. What I want from him is a Monday Nooner tarp and him taking pictures of the VLTs that he's playing. Different taverns around the province. You know what? With your Monday Nooner tarp VLT guy. This, That's what I want right this there. This cheap prick VLT guy, he's been winning money on golf. I guarantee you he hasn't bought a Monday Nooner tarp. I cheap. There's a lot of guys. Hey, VLT guy, I know you're listening. If you have done it and you have bought one, call us wrong. Send us a picture of your uh, of your order. I know you don't want to release your name, but we, <laughs> you have been called out by the guy whose lawn you are currently not mowing but standing on. Speaking of low and mons, getting a vasectomy, knowing someone who's shutting off the tap. Gentle procedures, Saskatchewan. No scalpel, no needle vasectomies. They do them out of Saskatoon and Regina. They're booking into the late summer and fall. If it's time to get a vasectomy, do not do the needle and take it you know where look it up on the internet it's not fun dental gentle procedures saskatchewan no needle no scalpel vasectomies look them up on the interweb gentle procedures saskatchewan so something we've talked about a lot slow pitch guy and this is more relevant than ever because i think slow pitch actually started today when we're recording July the 6th. Actually, our tech, Mosh, is not with us right now because he's playing he's slow pitch. going to play slow pitch. And Kinner, the buzz in the Okanagan, is also slow pitch has opened up as you were checking out some Twitter feeds of different guys. Yeah, John Keane just posted slow pitch games in Kamloops have resumed at the Tournament Capital Ranch. As for youth baseball games, aren't in near future according to an outgoing KM... B.A. Prez. I want to know what Okanagan slow pitch guy looks like because he's probably got a little, he's probably got a few bucks, might roll in in a Maserati, white sunglasses, sleeves cut off, barbed wire. Boat with nuts on it for sure. I was going to say, everybody I know in the Okanagan, all their stories and Facebook posts are out on wakeboarding or something, not playing. Yeah, he'd have a good tan for sure though. Definitely a shade of bronze. Kids are running a bun. 
And uh, oh, man bun, slow pitch guy. Wife doesn't like him. Auto, but he's got a boat, so she stays. <laughs> slow pitch guy, one thing, and senior men's baseball. Hey, that's starting across the province. Where where is senior men's hockey, baseball, senior women's, whatever? Shoot us a text or a, sorry, not a text. Shoot us a DM Slide and let us in. know how's it going. Slide into the fellas DMs here because there's some real big chatter in the Regina League. Dustin Mulliken got playing for up. the Trappers, Moppers team. Yeah, I think a couple other guys I know are on that team, but he's going to be playing against Kip Simon's team. Of course, Kip played some college baseball, so I well, said Monday nooner is going to go live to that game. Well, rumor is Kip. Put a bounty that Mulliken's going to eat one the first time they play each other. So get the Regina fans out there. And Mulliken said he's going to throw all fastballs to Kip, said you can't catch up. Uh, we should go it. watch that. You make some a couple of signs. Ceremonial first pitch. I would. I haven't had sunflower seeds in a year because I'm scared about the gout. But I would go and eat some seeds and, and watch some uh, senior men's baseball that night whenever they play. They play July the 26th, also July the 10th. So that should probably be Monday noon or night at July, the ballpark. 26. 26. It's a Sunday. Bring the kids. 22 freshes cooking up hot dogs. Sponsored. Yeah. twenty. That's Monday noon or night at the ballpark. Monday noon or player profile brought to you by Cathedral Dave Electric. Spoon. Commercial or residential. Honest pricing. Wasn't Dave Spooner just fixing some getting so the VLTs funny. ready? Four Seasons Sports. He put fellas. the lights on for the boys of the Four Seasons. That is so awesome. He's out there. Find them on Facebook. Cathedral Electric. The phone number 306-530-9438. Okay. We're playing the guessing game here for the player profile ready to go boys yeah why wouldn't we 5.11 185 pounds played in the SJHL with the <sighs> Estevan Bruins and North Battleford North Stars great wow, still numbers know. well over a point a game Brought in the off. SJ no, we didn't play the SJ. <laughs> Guessing Brotsel. You played Adult Save Div 3. <laughs> 46 games. This is his last game last year in the SJ. 46 games, 21 goals, 51 points. Sorry, 72 points. 212 penalty minutes. West Central Hockey League, East Coast Hockey League. Sorry, he went to the Central Trap? Hockey League, then to the East Coast Hockey League, then to the AHL. No. Albany and Charlotte in the AHL. Brad Haroff. Yes. The Hoff. Pound for pound would have to be one of the toughest guys in the league. Look him up on uh, YouTube. He's got some fantastic scraps. And he loves, loves, loves the one-timer in Monday Nooner. Hoff he lives for the one-timer. Hoff don't give a fuck. You know, a couple... You tell po- he gets his sticks for free because he just loves the one-timer. A couple podcasts ago, we were telling this story about Swagger. You guys remember that? Yes. And I forgot to mention this part of Swagger, and you mentioned Hoff, I remembered. So Swagger was the goalie you brought in last minute from the cooperatives. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to an earlier twirl. Do you guys remember at the start of that game, the opening face, Hoff was taking the opening draw, and Swagger was his goalie on his own team. So, so to start the game, he rifles one back into his own end, like not even that hard, and he scores on his own net on Swagger. <laughs> Fuck, head on a swivel, Swags. And we're like, this is going... And I, I was lined up, I think, on the wing, but just the look on Hoff's face. It's going to be a long 60 minutes. Who the fuck is this guy? Speaking of, quick story here. We're trying to get Brad Meyer on the podcast, NHL referee, 
refed in the SJHL, then the WHL. Fantastic story. And another, I hate saying fantastic too much. Anyways, it's going to be fantastic. He was jogging uh, in Waskasu, saw him, and he's like, hey, and I'm like, what's going on? And he can't stop. He's just leaking. And I'm like, so this is how you're staying in shape. And so the NHL hasn't given us the okay to have him on the program. Once they have everything, they're going to let us interview him. But what's going on with this NHL thing? Because today, like, 39 guys tested positive for COVID. I could really give a F because how many are uh, asymptomatic? It's, it's funny. Like, this is what I always think about when they talk about that. When COVID first happened, it was like one or two cases was like a big deal. And sports were shut exactly. down. Now there's like 50,000 cases in the USA in one day, but we're bringing sports back. Like, so what were we doing the last four months when there was no case? We might as well just kept playing because now it's at an all-time and worst. What was the golfer that had it? And he, he was like out there again in five days because he's asymptomatic. It's like, yeah, kid, just go give her. Yeah, it's... So this is going to be real interesting in the next week how this all shakes down. So time for the interview. And the interview brought to you by Healthy Eyes Optometry and Sean Fleming. Everyone should be getting their eyes checked. You have to do it every two years. Go to Healthy Eyes Optometry, Rochdale in Regina or in Harbor Landing. Sean Fleming is going to take care of you. 63 years old, born in Climax, Saskatchewan, playing career in the SJHL with Moose Jaw, the Canucks, and the Swift Current Broncos. WHL with the Lethbridge Broncos, short pro career in Europe. He won the national championship with the U of S Huskies, the only time they've ever won it. His coaching career is where things really get juicy. CIS, WHL, Japan, Team Canada a number of times. AHL, a championship there. NHL, and now he's back running the show in Medicine Hat. World Junior Gold as an assistant. CHL Coach of the Year, 2005-2006. AHL Coach of the Year, 2012 and 13. WHL Championship, AHL Championship, like I mentioned. Spangler Cup champ, Olympic bronze medal. Everybody, here is Willie Desjardins. Willie, thank you very much uh, for joining the fellas here on the twirl. We've had actually had a lot of requests to have you on because people know how interesting, <laughs> how many. And then I started going through your coaching resume, and I was like, unbelievable. But first, Willie, we got to go back. You're born in Climax, Southwest Saskatchewan. Where did you play your minor? What kind of what kind of player were you, and where did you play most of your minor <laughs> hockey, Willie? <laughs> Uh, I played at a climax. We had great teams down there. I think I always played up a few levels, uh, but when we ever played with a group that was two years older. I think Pee Wee Bantam Midget, and we uh, won the tournament waiver and won the Bantam tournament Yorkton, won provincial C. I think we lost one game with that team my whole life. It was a good team. Brian Trachi, uh, when we used to go to big tournaments, Trachi would join us. Uh, we'd join with Valmarie. So. Yeah, we had a, we had a good team. Uh, I was fortunate to be part of it. Right on. Yeah, everybody everybody listening in uh, provincial hockey here loves the name drop. So don't be afraid to drop a lot of names. Okay, so then <laughs> then you go and you're twirling um, in the SJHL with Moose Jaw. First off, now that was who else did we? We had somebody. I think it was Wick was on the program as well, and he was talking about the old SJHL days. Uh, 
Um, and you you played a number of years in Moose Jaw. Maybe you know d- touch on those on those days. What kind of hockey was that coming from uh, playing down Southwest? Well, it was good. I, I went in there when I was fourteen. That was my first year, and it was funny because Brian and I went to the we went to the camp together. We both made the team. He was 15, but he ended up going back and playing with the Legionnaires and Swift and he decided to play midget instead. I remember our first training camp. We were down at the Harwood, and you had to go walk up to the crush camps. We had to walk every day. Obviously, we weren't old enough to drive. And I remember they had a curfew call, and we weren't in for curfew, and they called us in the next day. And they came by. I don't know if it was 10. Anyways, we were in. We were asleep, and we probably went to bed at 9. So we missed curfew calls. So we were in trouble, and we weren't even out. But uh, <laughs> that was my first few days, or memories of Moose Jaw. So you started, you said your first year was when you were 14. So would that be like junior now, like you were playing against 20-year-olds when you were 14? Yeah, I was young in the 20s when I started, yeah. I'm just looking at your hockey DB. It says 5'8". When you played, how big were you Were you when you were 14? Probably playing against like like grown men. You couldn't have been that big. Yeah, it's about the same size. I think I don't think I talked five, six, five, seven at that time. I would think I got I got to throw a name at you here and see if you remember playing with this weapon. And I don't know if you golf much, but he's one of the best golfers in the province. Heck of a guy from Delisle, Saskatchewan. Colin Coben. I saw him on uh, on DB. I circled his name and sent it to him. I was like, Cobes, is this you? He goes, and you know how he talks very you know mild uh, spoken, and he's like. Yeah, that was many years ago, Barn. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah, I remember Boshin. I think it was Boshin was from up there, too. Uh, it was funny because we played those guys in Provincial C when we were in Midget a, year, a couple of years earlier. Then he showed up in, in Moose Jaw when I was there. He was a good hockey player. Lethbridge um, is the next the next stop. It says, I think, on one of the... I think ho- Swift Current for, oh, yeah, Swift Current, for but a cup of coffee, maybe, or something. The WHL, you go in, and you're with Steve Tambellini and uh, Brian Sutter in, in Lethbridge. Is that, was that, was that correct? Yeah, it was my, my first year. Brian was there, and Steve came in that year as well. Rocky Sagnuck was in. Daryl Sutter played a little bit. Uh, Lindy Ruff was in there a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Darcy Regier. So it was a pretty good group there. Was Brandon really good? Like, did they have Prop and McCrim, Brad McCrim in, and Dave Semenko? <laughs> where, where, where all those uh, all those guys in Brandon? They must have had a good squad. Yeah, they had a really good team. Uh, Drelaga was in there. Left-handed goaltender uh, played in the NHL for quite a while. It was good. No, they they were good. I remember we had a one of our guys, John Scammell was his name. He was about, he wasn't big, Scammell was maybe 5'8", but he was pretty heavy. And he fought Semenko. Semenko stepped on a stick, and, and Scammell was left-handed, and Semenko didn't know it. But he stepped on a stick and fell down. And so John was just giving it to him. And uh, Semenko, I've never seen anything like it. Like, he just took a couple really hard punches, just kind of shook his head. And then one punch, and Scammell was down. So it was like, well, I guess I'm not going to touch this guy no matter what happens. Oh. So it was, it was pretty tough. <laughs> that league, uh, we we had Theo on a, a couple episodes ago, and he talked with him. He played yeah. more in the 80s. Um, you know, but he, he was talking about how, you know, line brawls and bench-clearing brawls yeah. like were just on the regular. Was it the same thing when you were playing? Yeah, it was pretty physical. Not, not, yeah, there was a few. New West had a really tough team back then, like really tough. There were some good players, though, Federico and Chapman and that, where 
were out of uh, Saskatoon. So there were some good players for sure in the league. But it was it was you you know that time you certainly had to. There was a lot happening. Like there was a lot of uh, you had mentally you had to be tough. And then after you you finished up in Lethbridge, you got your chance to to play your first little bit of pro hockey and kind of unique. I can't even pronounce where you where you were, but you played some pro hockey. I think it was in in Netherlands. Is that correct? Yeah, I went over. It was to Mukamai. It was interesting because I think there was. I went over with Doug Johnson, and I think there was probably two people in that whole city, maybe two million people that spoke English. <laughs> it was a bit of a, a tough time over there. It was good, though, because Brian Sutter went over there after I left. He went over. No, Daryl did. Daryl went over and played there one year after I left. I, made, I think that year I made $20,000, and I went back, and I came home in about three-quarters sections of land. And, it was good, so it turned out good for me. Well, if you if you look up the 83-84 Nidge Megan Tigers, and you click on it, yeah. you're the only name that actually comes up, and you had quite a year. So this is in the Netherlands, isn't it? Yeah, it was. That was uh, I finished playing university hockey then. Uh, I went over there for a year. Uh, another fellow, uh, Tim Hodgson, played together with the, with the Huskies. He went over there. We had a good year. We won a championship, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Just going back a few questions, do you still own those sections of land that you bought? <laughs> yeah, I still own it, so it was good. It was a good investment for me at the time. I bet you it's worth about 20 <laughs> times what you bought it for now, the way land prices have gone. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was good, and I, I, you know, I always enjoyed the farm. It was, it was great. I always liked going back there. I haven't gone back for quite a while. I just sort of took out and out, but yeah. Right. No, it was, it was a good investment. This isn't a skill testing question, but when was the last time the U of S Huskies won the national championship? Oh, it was 83. You're part of that team. You guys are you guys are still legends in uh, in Saskatoon for, for kind of hoisting it. But you guys, didn't you guys make it like the year before? You guys were really close to making it. The year. You had a really good run for about three years with that squad, didn't you? We did. It was interesting. Uh, I went in my first year in Saskatoon, and I think we were 3-21. And, and we had some really talented players that year. We had a good team, but we went 3-21. and 21. Uh, the next year, Dave King came in, and everything changed with Dave King. He just changed everything. Like he, there's so many things I learned from him and how he treated people and what he did. And anyways, the second year, you know, we didn't make the playoffs. Only two teams made it in Calgary and Alberta, where they're really strong. But then my last three years, we went to the national finals. Finally, won in my last year. Dave Adolf still chasing that man. I hope that guy. He's had some bad <laughs> luck. So now Dave King, another legend. Um, his coaching resume is unbelievable. You said he came in with the Huskies and he changed everything. The the Dave that I know, like he's so calm and mild mannered. You know what kind of coach was he back then, Willie? He had so much intensity. He loved to win. He he, he we would fly to Calgary and, and Edmonton back in those days, so we could take extra players. He would drive. Because you're only allowed so many people on the plane. So he would drive so that we could take an extra player on the road. And that's how committed he was. Like he did an outstanding job turning that program around. And, you know, it made a big difference in my career for sure. Any crazy uh, Rutherford Arena stories? No, I remember though, we'd, you'd have to walk up the stairs to the dressing rooms and, and both teams used the same shower. Um, <laughs> it was a great place to play though. Like they'd have the shy boo boys would come in and they'd have the one end of the rink and uh, oh, it, was, it was outstanding. Like we loved playing there. Lots of really good people. Peter Anhol was part of that group, Robin Patel, Bartel. Like there was some Mark Sharkey, really, really good people involved in that team. What was your degree in? What did you graduate uh, U of S with? 
Well, I ended up with my uh, education degree, but I also got my social work degree, and then I got my master's in social work. I took some classes while I was coaching at, uh, at UFC, so I... Uh, a lot of time in Calgary, and then, you know, you get the head coach of the Dinos. Then you head over to Japan. How does that all come about? Like, who, you know, you get the call, or is that something that you, that you wanted to go over there? Yeah, I, I got the call to go to Japan before... I went to uh, U of S. I went, as soon as I left Lethbridge, I went to Japan. Then I went to U of S, and then I went to Niagara. So I went to Halden after I finished for a year, and then I came back and started coaching at UFC. Some interesting stories uh, from that Japan league. Uh, take take listeners through through the league there. <laughs> they were interesting. It was. Uh, I remember the first time I went, we went on the ice and they were all skating around and you could have thrown, uh, like the whole team, like they had to be 20 guys were skating and you could have thrown a blanket around them when they went around the ice. They just all went around together and it, it was common there. Like you'd, in the morning you, you'd go out and the, the fire team or fire, whatever it would be, would be outside doing calisthenics and then you'd see the police group. So they always did everything together. But it was, yeah, it was different without the language and without being able to speak to anybody. But it was good hockey. There were some really good players. It was, it was a good league. The Russians were there. And I ended up going back to coaching Japan for quite a while, yeah, you know, uh, with the, that team. And then I went on to a different team as well. How many, how many teams were in the league, Willie? And then what was travel like? Was everything pretty close? You guys just hopped on a bullet train or, you know? There were six teams in the league. They'd have like 34 players on the ice. That was the size of the roster. If we played Friday, they would go in and stay at these five-star hotels on Wednesday. You know, like it was, it was unbelievable. How many imports, I guess, were, were you allowed there? And, and you talk, how many imports and how difficult was it coaching with such a language barrier? Well, I always had a translator, um, and we were allowed two imports. A good story with her, because they were also getting ready for the Olympics, and Dave King kind of set that country up and shaped it for, for the Olympics in uh, 98, I think. Yeah. So we had two imports, but then we also brought along some Japanese Canadians. We had Pat Kabiyama and Ryan Fujita. Uh, oh, yeah. Fujita, I think, had 50 goals in the Saskatoon. Kabiyama was 80, 90 point guy, at least with Medicine Hat. But for imports, I got Chris Bright and then. <coughs> I brought in Tom Kerbers, and it was interesting when so we got the first import, and then they, I was talking to them about bringing in Kerbers. They said, well, if you bring in Kerbers, you have to win. <laughs> like, you have to win, because they, they don't like trying and not being successful. Yeah. They, that, that looks bad, so they don't want you to do that. So they said, if you're going to bring Kerbers, then you have to win. And I said, well, I can't guarantee we're going to win, but I'll guarantee you we won't if we don't bring him. Anyways, we ended up bringing him in, and... Uh, we ended up winning a championship year that year, so it was a, it was a good year. So did, is that where kind of, and I remember Fujita as a Saskatoon Blade and as a young kid watching the Blades growing up, is that where kind of he stayed and played uh, for quite a while, do you know? Yeah, they all played there for probably eight or nine years. Like the funny story about Fujita, I was coaching him and Ryan was always really involved. Like he always talked. So I said to him, he came to the bench one day and I said, Ryan, I said, you, and he, and he worked hard. I said, you got to be really tired. You know, you go out there and you work hard every shift and, and then you do a little refereeing when you're out there. And then you come to the bench and you do some coaching. 
She said, you got to be tired. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was a great player, yeah. though. He, he was a really good player. So then you get the call to, to, I think you get the call to come back and you get the gig in Medicine Hat. And I love that city, but it was a dark place for the WHL team there for a lot of years before you got there. They weren't making the playoffs. They weren't really drawing. I remember going to games there. You know, was it something that that was the next step you wanted, Willie, or did somebody call and, you know, was it something you just couldn't turn down? No, it was funny because I really wanted the Hitman job in Calgary. I tried really hard to get that job, really hard, and I didn't get it. So I wasn't, I wasn't super excited about coming to Medicine Hat, but uh, it was because I didn't know that I didn't know the city, I didn't know the people, I did nothing against them. I just didn't know. In the end, it turned out the best thing I've ever done. Like. You know, the majors are such a great group to work with. Uh, the fans are outstanding here, and winning is exciting. So, Talk about uh, winning the championships, Willie, and go through that first one. That's, you know, pretty cool when that, like I said, that city was in such a dark place. Well, we, we had a couple there. In 04, it was interesting because my first year, I'll never forget, we played Swift Current at the end of the year, and we were 0-7. It was the eighth time we played, and we hadn't beat them all year. And we beat them in overtime. And I went in and I spoke to the team sitting at my desk and so it has to be just about 10 minutes after the game was over by that time and there's such a noise out in the arena and I'm going I wonder if somebody's fighting brawl going on out there so I go outside and I look and the fans are just standing cheering nobody had left they were just all standing cheering it was amazing and uh, we didn't make a trade that year like it wasn't that we really made a trade we didn't we didn't have one guy who was an all-star and we should have. There were some really talented players. It could be any way. Like, it, it was a really tough team. And it was a really skilled team. So yeah, that was a great memory. And they had a good story, too. We won. Boys went. And they got into a little bit of trouble. They ran a little bit. So the next day, I was mad at them. So I said, okay. I brought them all in. And I said, okay. You guys, you got to go. Like, there was a huge lineup for tickets. Like, I don't know how many people. 600 people waiting for tickets. And there was garbage over there. You know, they had garbage around the arena. And I said to the guys, I said, okay, you guys got to go up and clean out all that stuff. And it's kind of like when you're hot, you're hot. <laughs> so the next day in the paper, there's a big article on how great the Tigers players are. But after the fans left, they went out and picked up everything in the parking lot. <laughs> a couple humanitarians. <laughs> <laughs> Little did they know why they're out doing it. Yeah, I was just uh, looking at the roster you had that championship team 04 uh some great names chris russell cam barker one guy i wanted to ask about i lived in lloyd for a while which is the home of clark MacArthur. i had an interview with him where he said he's had a lot of coaches played quite a few games in the nhl but he said you were his favorite coach that he ever had what was he like and was did you have kind of a special relationship with him yeah he was outstanding the only thing Clark he wanted to do was win. Like, he just wanted to win. He just, but it was funny. He started first 10 games. He had one point. And then for whatever reason, I put him on the point in the power play. And then he just got to handle the puck, bring it up ice, got to handle the puck a little bit. And then from there on, he just took off. I was at a golf tournament with him one year and, and it was funny because, and I heard it again from him, but he introduced me and he said, and this guy sat me out and he was still mad. Like, it's, it's crazy after all those years when he talked about it, he was still mad at me for sitting him out. So I come to him and I said, Clark, like, what did I bench you for a period or, or what? Like, Pick up some did garbage. You, did you miss me? Yeah. <laughs> he probably was doing that too. Anyways, he said, no, you healthy scratch. I'd long forgotten that. But for him, it was like the next day. But it was funny because he was going to go to World Juniors and he missed a goal or something. He broke his stick over the end boards. And I said, Clarky, if they weren't picking the World Junior team, I'd scratch you now. 
but I'm not going to do it before we, the World Junior Selections in case it hurts you. But he ever do it again? Sure enough, he did it after Christmas again, after he came back. And uh, so I scratched two of my top guys the same night, him and St. Jock. So then fast forward, you're back in Medicine Hat. What's it like having a, a guy like Cole Sillinger as a 16-year-old who probably didn't get it? He wasn't an exceptional player, but probably could have played in the league at 15. Like he's The kid's a man out there. He was amazing. I like I couldn't believe when he got hurt this year. I couldn't believe how much it hurt our team. Like I knew he I know he's good, but I was shocked. What a difference he made with our team. And it's not just his play, he's such a great leader. Like I we went into Regina and he interviewed me and I and this was really early in the year, so I had no idea he was that good. But and I said, Well, he's a good player, but I said what's really incredible is you know, his family did such a great job raising him. He's got such good values. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> we all know Mike pretty well. How much did Silly pay you to say that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's the honest truth like that. He is so respectful, so polite. But when he comes to play, he comes to play. Like we were playing at the end of the year, we were playing. It was either Edmonton or Calgary. It was a big game at home. So we we're up a couple. We we're up two one, I think, playing pretty good. But they were coming back in the second period, and Sillinger came down off the wall, and nothing rushed, and all of a sudden, bang! It's in the top corner, and the game was over. Like his conditioning was exceptional. Like in all the guys, it's kind of like Cole. Why? Why do you make us all look bad? Like you're in such great shape. So Willie's always pointing to you, saying. What's wrong with the rest of you guys? Why can't you be like cool? <clears throat> Anyways, lots of respect for him and his family. Like he, uh, he's a good player for us. Carla's a hell of a lady. She's she's done a fantastic <laughs> that fantastic job with that. We're trying to get her on the program. We're not going to have Mike. Actually, we're going to have Carla. She's going to have better stories. Well, it's, the only reason he's in I such good shape Mike. is Mike makes him carry his golf bag around all summer. <laughs> Go, let's go back again. So after the success with the with the Tigers, you get the call to go down assistant coach with the Dallas Stars. You know now now you're now you're in the show. You're you're an assistant role. Dream starting to to kind of come full circle. The one thing I've always I, I always loved wherever I was coaching. Whenever I left wherever I was coaching, it was really hard for me. Not like for sure I wanted to get to the NHL, but I just really enjoyed Madison Hat. So when I went into Dallas, it was great. Mark Crawford was outstanding with me. Really good group of guys. We we missed the playoffs. Or we we had to win our last game and we didn't win. We'd won five in a row and then we lost our last. It was it was disappointing not making it, but uh, good group there. There was lots of good people and. Uh, Certainly enjoyed Les Jackson. He's an outstanding guy. So then you get the head coaching job in the AHL and you, you win the championship. Now now do you think, all right, the time has come. I'm, I'm going to get my, my head coaching gig? Well, after we won, I, I thought that something might come up. It was, uh, again, I had a good group. Lots of good games. Like, you know, it was funny. We won our first, and I think then we lost to St. John's the second game. Then we went into their building for three. It was 2 3 2. We win. And then we had a, they had the, the rank was books. We had like four days off. And we come back from the game four. Now we're up to one. And after, halfway through the game, we're being, we're, we're down 3 nothing. We're outshot thirty-two to six. <laughs> I'm going. I'm so mad at you guys. Like, thanks for showing up, guys. Yeah. I was so mad. We won four-three, and we outshot them thirty-five-six the rest of the way. I've never seen a game turn like that. It's an overtime game too, but uh, <clears throat> that was a big game. It, like, if we lose that one, it's a long series. We yeah. won that one. That kind of decided it. You go to you get the job in Vancouver with the Canucks head coaching job. First year, you make the playoffs. Good job, and you got the Sedins. People, obviously, that know hockey watch them for years. 
that chemistry, have you ever seen anything like it? They were amazing. It's funny because I'm, pre- I'm pretty serious. I don't, like, I'm always really focused and really intense in the game. And I, I don't think I've laughed on the bench five times, probably in my career. <laughs> but there was a couple times with the Sedins in overtime when it was four on four. They weren't the same three on three, but four on cause two on three was more man on man. So people weren't switching coverage, and they got you in trouble when you tried to switch coverage. So four on four, they were absolutely amazing what they would do with the pocket and good people and work hard like the hardest working guys on the team and and tough too everybody always said that they weren't tough and that was so untrue like i remember hank one day he second period on he was standing and I, you know we all sat i said hank what are you doing he goes if i sit down willie i can't get back up <laughs> so he just did the whole the whole game and, and then other time he came in and his finger was broke and he was bandaged together and i and i look at it and i said what happened i didn't know it was broke nobody ever told me and i said oh i broke it wow. 10 days ago and, he, and i never knew and you know like for a skilled guy like you know when you break your finger it's not great but they never, ever complained about anything. How hard is it for a coach coming from the Western Hockey League or the junior ranks? You had so much success. You, you got these kids picking up garbage in the parking lot. When, when you coach in the NHL, how hard how hard is it to make the adjustment that, you know, these guys are now millionaires and... You always hear the stories how the, you know a lot of guys are running the coaches show. How hard is it to make that adjustment? Did you learn a lot from Crawford, I guess, in Dallas? Yeah, Mark was good. I learned a lot, but you know, it's more about the the guys. Like, oh, there's so many good guys like Alex Burrows and Kevin Beck was part of that team, and I'll never forget Beck came in after my first year and. And we were going to trade him, and he talked to the front office, and, and he said, Willie, can I talk to you? He came out of there, and he said, Willie, I wanted to hear it from you that it's time I moved on. Like he said, I, I want to hear it from you. He's got his whole family there. He's been in van for a long time. And I said, well, I said, I think a lot's gone, Kevin. I think, I think it is. I think you need to do that. And that was a really, really tough conversation because he's an outstanding man, an outstanding family. When I got fired, he was the first guy to text me. Hmm. First guy. He's so good. And Alex Burroughs is another one that to be able to coach people like that. And I, I coach a lot. My car is that way, Dorsad, Russell, you know, lots of those guys. But at that level, like they were, they were like coaching juniors. Like Burroughs, he wasn't there for the money. He's just there to play. It, it was a good group. Like I was, I was fortunate to get to work with that group. That's super cool. Hey, does Vancouver get the shit end of the stick as much as people talk about as far when it comes to travel in the NHL? You know, once, once you got there, was there, was it kind of, you know, a little bit rough at times? Well, I don't know. They didn't get on the bus and go to Vancouver to Victoria or to Winnipeg, so I didn't mind the travel. <laughs> like, that was... <laughs> I think we just had to take them out on one of those trips. And then, you know, the Hanson Lake Flin Flon <laughs> trip in the SJ. <laughs> one stop that we, we should mention was 2018, uh, a part of the Olympic coaching staff in Pyeongchang, South Korea. So uh, obviously a very unique thing to be a part of. It was an amazing opportunity. I always wanted to be part of the Olympics. I always wanted it. You know, I had a chance maybe of going into Dallas as an assistant coach and, uh, I decided, well, I wanted to try to go to the Olympics. It was just something I wanted, and I, I have no regrets about it. it. It was a great opportunity. Tom Rennie does an outstanding job with Hockey Canada. I got to work with Sean Burke. Um, Scotty Salmon was great. Scotty's been around for a long time and done a great job for Hockey Canada. And, you know, I had a good group. You know, we hadn't won. Um, any of the turns going into that, we hadn't beat the Czechs, the Swedes, the Finns, um, you know, or the Russians. Like, all those teams were good teams. Like, if you look at the Olympic, Germany probably the year before the World Championships, they probably had 
15 guys from that team play at the Olympics. I don't know. I don't know the number, but, you know, we didn't have any. So there's a big difference. Like all those teams had lots of guys at the world championships go to the Olympics with them. This is the first time that the, the now we're going back to no NHL players in the Olympics. And there yeah. obviously is a lot of pressure being, you know, Team Canada. How many people, I guess, like how did the scouting work to, to pick that team and how intense and how many hours watching video and swapping stories? And because, man, it, it just seems when you look at that roster, like there was guys from all over that had to, you guys had to gel these guys and get these guys together. I think it's easy to gel when you got a short-term event. It's easy to do that. Like everybody's got the common goal. So that wasn't a, an issue. We played four tournaments, so we got to go over and we got to pick parts of our team for every tournament. Scott Walker was outstanding in that, in that group as well like he you know he had a good eye we played we picked up guys never had a full team though i went to the spangler cup probably had eight guys there that was our last tournament before we went to the olympics but it was a it was a challenge for sure but i have to say one thing about hockey canada they give you everything they can do you know now nowadays a lot of people are talking willie about analytics and hockey and and where hockey's gone with analytics and some guys aren't a believer some are some are down the middle when it comes to analytics where's willie desjardins sitting you got to use it. Like, you have to believe in it. Uh, numbers don't lie. Like that, you, the numbers don't lie. You just look at certain things, they don't lie. Like, you can be ahead after the second period. Like, it's like 75% you're, you're going to win the game. So, you got to get that lead going into the third. There's certain things that they correspond. Now, that's the one thing, you know, like when you at the NHL level, they, they give you a buck of 25 pages <laughs> of analytics after the game. 25 pages is way too much. Like, there's so many stats on everything. This defense pair match against every line. You don't know. There's things that happen differently, but there's a place for it. I think you got to use it whenever you question what's happening on the ice. You go, well, why is this happening? Then you can look at the analytics. Uh, maybe it's you're not getting the puck deep, maybe whatever it is. Maybe you're not breaking out of your zone quick. When I was with Medicine Hat, my first go-around, we had what we called success factors. We had seven success factors. We believed if we did five out of those seven, we'd win. We looked at it every night. So that was kind of, and that's kind of what analytics is. It's saying, if you do these things, you win. So we always had those. I've always kept track of them. So when you're looking at analytics, so let's take let's take the number side out of things. If you had to put money on a guy from end wall to end wall, Austin Wagner or Connor McDavid, no puck, who you taking? <laughs> He's fast, eh, Wagner? Like, Wags has He's wheels. So like, like, if, you, if you had to be like... <laughs> He's. he's well, <laughs> I still, I still, I still have to go with McDavid because if I was wrong, I'd take McDavid. So <laughs> I don't know, right. but they're both fast. That's that's a, yeah, it's a really good question. That should have been a rapid fire question, not bad. So now you you got a little you're t- you're dabbling in the hockey academy stuff too in Medicine Hat there with with the young kids and the kids coming up. Willie, what's what's the biggest mistake or the most common mistake that you see parents making with their kids in minor hockey right now at, at a younger level? All I'll say this, I'll talk about Derek Dorsett and I talk about this story lots. You know, if you're a really good player, uh, you can make AAA midget at 15. Dorsett didn't make it at 15. So at 16, his dad took him to every AAA team in Saskatchewan. He got cut from 18. Didn't make, didn't make AAA midget at 16. If you don't make AAA at 16, you're probably not a great player. He finally made AAA midget at 17. I think the biggest mistake is it's it's not where you're at, it's how bad you want to be a player. 
Like, it's not like if you're the best player when you're 12 or 13. It's how bad you want it. Like, if you look at the Western League draft, like MacArthur wasn't drafted, Innes wasn't drafted, Lupo wasn't drafted, Russell was a late pick, Helm was an eighth, ninth round pick. All those guys were late. It wasn't that the scouts didn't judge their talents. It's that these guys just wanted it more, and they worked at their game. So I think that's the biggest thing is, not where you're at. It's how bad you want it. Great. And people forget that sometimes. Great insight. So you had Dorsett twice, right? Because you had him in Medicine Hat yeah. and then you had yeah. him again in Vancouver. Obviously, he's from Kindersley, Saskatchewan. We've got lots of listeners up in, in that area. How would you describe him? I've heard lots of people say just how great of a, a teammate and a team guy he was. There's so many stories about Dorsett that I could tell that we're down in Van. We're going to play San Jose with Scott. Like Scott's 6'6". I said, Doris, you can't fight him. Or even my last year in Medicine Hat, we're going to the playoffs. playoffs January, and I said, Doris, you can't fight anymore. I'm afraid you're going to break your hand. You got to. But he, he just had to fight. Sure enough, he, he fights, hits the guy on top of his head, breaks his hand. It had to be January, so six weeks. He's we're not. He's not going to be back in time. But what he did, so he gets back. Doc looks at him, Medicine Hat, and he says. Okay, it's too swollen. I'm not going to be able to set it for four days. Dor says, okay, jumps in his dad deep. They jump in the car, they drive to Calgary, they get it set that night. That game is four days. Comes in, things aren't going very good. And I I know he's not going to be ready. Playoffs are getting pretty close. We had a guy that he went to, I called him the witch doctor down in Austin. And he did a lot with concussions and boxers' hands. And Dor says, I want to go see him. I said, well, you can go see him, but we can't pay for that. Like, like like I can't send you to a witch doctor. So Doris goes down there. The guy works on his hand. Probably saved us another week. So Doris saved us 10 days. He comes back game six against Red Deer. If he doesn't come back, we lose that series. There's no Memorial Cup run at all. But he, because he did all those things on his own, just because he wanted to play, we ended up winning that series, and and he was a difference. In late June, the Tigers get a bill from some doctor in (laughs) Texas. Um, nah, Doris would pay it. He'd be good. Hey, Emerson Edom, was he helping you in Medicine Hat this year? He was a little bit. He did some academy stuff for sure. He, You know, he came in. Uh, uh, he just kind of wanted to get something fresh, get started, uh, get a lot of uh, working with teams on his own, but just a good person, really good person, comes from a great family. We have a big, big, huge senior hockey following on this podcast. Did uh, did he talk, tell you that he was playing senior hockey in Cabri? And what did he say about that? He said it was good. He went out like, it was good. He uh, <clears throat> Emerson always loved the game. You know, it was just too bad he got injured. And, you know, he, he, he was surprised at how good the league was, how good the talent was from certain players. He had some big shoes to fill down there, but I think he did okay by the look, by the looks of the stats. Yeah, he, he's a pretty good player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too bad because they, they go A and they play Southie and then... Uh, I think he got the he got a job down south, and he wasn't he wasn't with them for that. So that's too bad. Okay, so how we usually end these, Willie? We do a little bit of rapid fire. So these are just quick questions. First couple things that come to your mind: favorite night spot for the U of S Huskies back in the day in Saskatoon? Probably Foxy's. One of the guys jumped off the table and ripped his hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> Most sock sake you've ever drank in one day. Oh, not much. Two two cups. <laughs> Craziest thing you ever ate over when in when you were in Japan? 
there was some bad stuff there. <laughs> Seaweed, squid, there, there was quite a bit of stuff that, was, that I didn't find great. Uh, NHL player that you were blown away at, you know, once you kind of got your coaching gig and you were in the, in the NHL and you saw him play live. Oh, that's a tough one. I, I'm, it's like picking favorite kids. You can never pick a favorite kid. I, I, there's so many guys that were so talented. and There's so many different reasons why guys blow you away. You know, things that Taze did, I'll never forget one day we scored. Taze was so mad he lined up at center ice. He was ready for the faceoff. He was so mad when they pulled him off. Guys like that, like you, you, you see a lot of great players. What's your favorite bag skate drill? Oh, it's a Johnson skate. Take us through it. <laughs> oh, it's pretty easy. You put three groups on each side. They start on uh, they start on the ice line. They go all the way around to the far blue line. Stop, then back around the net. Then they go to the red line. Then they go to the far uh, blue line. Then they go to the end wall. Then all the way back. You know. You can make it easy. You can let them tight turn at the lines. Or you can make them stop. It depends what you want to get out of it. Jesus, you're making me sick already. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Best, best part of the Spangler Cup in Davos for a fan? The whole thing. Just the experience. Just the... There's nothing greater when the fans start chanting in the building and just the wood building. And, and probably, the, like, they have a, a big ice sheet out front. Like, it was just a huge, big, big size of a football field. Not big, quite that big, but people would go out and play shinny and that. It was, it's a, it's a spectacular view and, and spot. NHL player that chirps more than Drew Doughty. <laughs> oh, there's, there's probably a few. I think Burroughs and Dorsett did their fair. And one player you coached to take a penalty shot. You only got one who's taken it. Boy, that's an interesting one. Probably Dave Schlemko. Nice junior player. Yeah. Yeah. He was unbelievable in petty penalty shots. Right on. Hey, Willie, we took up a lot of your time tonight. Um, we just want to say thank you so yeah, much. Thanks. And, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's special to hear some of those stories. And no, it's a great game. Hockey's so good. I, I looked at you guys, and it's great that your involvement in the game is great. You're doing what you're doing, so. Thanks a lot for the call, and uh, I certainly appreciate it, and good luck. And we'll tell Mike Sillinger that his kid's going to be a way better pro than he was. <laughs> Coming from you. I'll, I'll pass it on, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Willie. Hey, take care, guys. Hey, why wouldn't a guy? Hey, guys, Last Mountain Distillery. I was at the lake last weekend. I was doing the sweet tea vodkas with lemonade, mm-hmm. like we talked about. Also, a few GWs, mm-hmm. few 016s. We've been getting a lot of traction, kin drop, on uh, people tweeting their drinks and such. Yeah, that's absolutely correct there, Brazzler. Uh, yeah. We've had Darren Anderson actually did the sweet tea mule. Says good times, a little bit of crabby, some sweet tea vodka. Um, then we've got Steve Joseph, who's actually doing your little concoction of the lemonade and sweet tea vodka. Like, it's it's great product, guys. Like Send it's- at Monday Nooner on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, tag, tag us when you're using the Last Mountain stuff and also like pour one and raise it up to Charlie Daniels boys. <laughs> you really wanted to get that oh, in. Charlie Daniels grip. Hey, the I thing about it. the drink, I think if you can come up with your drink, but try and come up with a name for it based on something we say on the pod. Oh, you're making it real tough. Your senior, well, people can do that if you want to. Why not? Like the why wouldn't a guy or the... That's so, that's, there we go. We're at the Royal Regina on Saturday golfing and I'm with uh, Frolic... Uh, Trent Rude and Rude not to. And Holy fuck. We're playing. I, the Wednesday is the gin, soda, splash of fresca. So everyone's doing vodka, soda, splash of fresca. And I'm like, well, let, that's the why wouldn't a guy? And the beer cart lady was like, the what? 
it's like yeah the and so then Fro- i think frolic was the one that said we should get some of these on the menu like the why wouldn't a guy and i'm like yeah and they use last mountain uh products out at the Royal Regina. Make it happen, Brownie. So one drink I saw that I'm going to try, and I think maybe we could do a shooter out of this. Last Mountain posted a drink that they pour at the Lumsden Steak Pit. Maybe we do a show out there. It's uh, local uh, root beer schnapps mixed with the cherry whiskey, which I know you've tried, Chink, which is quite good. But it's it's made into like a float or something Mm -hmm. with ice cream. Yeah. That could be the official shot, though, I think. Cherry whiskey and root beer well, schnapps. I'm going to try that before the next podcast and report back in Twirl 9. When is L- L- Last Mountain Distillery having us out for uh, pod recording? That's a great It's got to be on a Friday or, or Saturday. Or preferably a Friday. Then you can heal Saturday and mm-hmm. do some stuff on Sunday. But we'll have to get on that. If you're Straight driving up to uh, Saskatoon, you usually see the old Last Mountain Distillery on the left-hand side. And, of course... Looking to buying, sell in the Saskatoon area. Dave Price and Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon. Dave Price, one of the newest sponsors here on the program. Selling some land, an acreage, a cabin, a home, a condo, whatever. Dave Price, over 20 years, almost 20 years, sorry, in the business. Dave Price once helped out some inner city kids building a skateboard ramp in the late 80s. Fantastic fellow. That's the kind of realtor you want. Dave Price, hit him on the socials. DavePriceRealty.ca up in Saskatoon. All right, time for the senior hockey soiree. This has been requested by a number of people. It's time to talk AAA senior in the Allen Cup run. We're going to go through a bunch of teams um, throughout the operation here, months ahead. But uh, one that was first on our radar because so many people locally wanted to talk about it was the Crestview Rangers. And I guess two guys that had a huge part of the team are with us here in Al Dumba. And then we're going to go with Sharky. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, so just use that. going back to 2000 or 1999, whenever this thing was put together, whose idea was it? You know what? It was actually a conversation I had with Jimmy McClarty, who at that time was working for the Saskatchewan Hockey Association. And he played for the Cougars and the Nippon Hawks. And, and in the summertime, Jimmy said, you think we could put together a senior AAA team? So we started to ask a few guys if they were interested, and we got the right response from the right guys. Started putting pieces together, but the, the credit goes to Jimmy McClarty. He was the one who had the idea, and he thought I was dumb enough to follow him on the idea, and he was right. Found other suckers like Al to come on board, and that's how that's that was the birth of it. The, the funny thing was that Jimmy was uh, a key to getting it started, and then unfortunately had to move to uh, got transferred yeah. before the season started, I believe, or right when it started. He moved out to uh, Ontario. And I guess you, you know, you kind of got your feet wet, and we'll talk about that maybe in a different episode or later with that QPAR team. So you kind of knew what you were getting into. You know, I had an idea of the process and what was involved. The rules have changed regularly each year in terms of what you're allowed to have and affiliations and numbers and all that sort of stuff. But I was uh, I was aware enough of the process with SAS Cocky to get involved and, and to understand it. And Jimmy working in their office was a huge benefit because he could run up and down the hall and ask a question if needed to be. We were fortunate to find a great sponsor in uh, Ted Knight at Crestview to make it happen. That was my next question. You get a major sponsor on board. And I guess without that, this probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah, well, exactly. And Ted's close friend of both of ours. Uh, we both worked for Ted Knight for the Pats. But uh, when Ted came on board, I mean, he's a former hockey player that won both 
both an Allen Cup and a Memorial Cup as a player. So Ted uh, loved senior hockey. He wanted to see see it go here in Regina, and uh, we were very fortunate to have that kind of backing knowing he was there for us. You guys compete uh, in AAA, so obviously a lot of the guys we play with and listen to this, they just get sticks and gas. Um, <laughs> when you put these AAA teams together and whatnot, it, it was everyone kind of playing for the love of the game? For the most part, yeah. Yep. Yeah, especially because it was a Regina team. I think if we'd have done it out of Cupard, you know, Dysart or Fort Capel or somewhere else, there might have been some other scenarios. Yeah. But because everybody was playing at home, if you will, it was a lot easier to convince them to be involved at that level. So you had to, you get to affiliate back then one team, yeah. right? Yeah. Those were the rules back then. Who'd you guys affiliate? We took Balcaris. And I, I don't, and as I was thinking about it today, I don't think we could take an A team. We had to take somebody B or lower. Which is why we took Belcaris. I, if I remember, because if it was A, we would have yeah. taken Raymore. But looking right? at the Belcaris team, we knew that they had two or three players, like key players, uh, forward and defense that Who? we would use. Do you remember? Yeah, the defenseman. Uh, moved Joey, Joey uh, uh, Herrick. Herrick, yeah. He Joey. came out with us, and Joey uh, filled in when he had to, and it was good because he could be a guy, you just come on in and play, we need you. Uh, and, you know, he was probably the main one we used. Pollock was a great backup and goal. If we really ran into trouble, we could count on Paco to come in and play some minutes. And I was really comfortable with that, with Paco coming in. And then they they had Trap at the time. They had Doug as well, uh, although he didn't play with us. And I can't remember the reasons why, because it was 20 years ago. They, and they had a couple other forwards. They had Donald McEwen and Horvath. And we thought there was enough bodies there that we could at least fill our line and, and, and stay strong. How many times, I guess, did you get the guy, you know, the practicing? Did you kind of wait and, and fire it up in, you know, maybe a December, January? Or, you know, how did that first year go as far as getting the guys together and practicing? And then I see that there were some ex- exhibition games, but, you know, how did that whole process go? You know, getting things going was was the easy part. Uh, everybody wanted to come out and see each other, and a lot of guys that were playing on different rec teams or different senior teams all came together. And uh, for me, it was great because uh, I was just working; I wasn't coaching anybody else or doing anything else, so it was it was fun. And uh, it was great to bring everybody, get to know each other. All the guys I probably knew already on the team, but as a coach, it was it was good because everybody's a man. Uh, so we come out there, we get together, and uh, you you get new and better friendships. By the time the season was done, do you remember you know that, and then kind of getting everybody together for their for that you know first I guess initial skates or whatever it was? Well, I, I think I had to have everybody signed by New Year's Eve, like December thirty first. Yeah. I don't think we actually hit the ice together as a group till early January, knowing that we were probably playing mid February in terms of the playoffs. So, so a lot of these guys, because you go down this list, and Bart Cote is there, and uh, Mark Wart, and Barnstable, and um, were, were all these guys, I guess, not playing, just playing rec that year then? For the most part. Because yeah. you only can AP the one yeah. senior team, right? Well, but it was different then. Okay. You could, if a guy was on another team and didn't sign a provincial card, uh. he could play with you in provincials. So if a guy was playing league in Strasbourg, the one who played with us in provincials, we could sign him to a provincial card. That actually changed the next year because they thought we put together an all-star team. So they actually changed it that December 31st, you had to play with your league team or play with a provincial team, but you couldn't do both. Yeah, because that's how I remember the rules. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool that you could could do the senior thing. Um, 
Yeah. So on, on the back end, well, let's start our starting goal. You, you kind of win right there with uh, with Hauk and Net. Still a damn good goalie. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, back then, I think you guys probably were running with the best goalie in the province. Well, he was so competitive too, and he wanted to win every night, so it was it was good. But he, you know, Lumby was great behind him because uh, he helped him along the way, and and uh, Lumby didn't care if he had to sit two games in a row. He was he was ready to go, and he he knew where we were at in the goal and. We knew that we were going to run with Roddy as long as he was hot, and I think he's hot every game. I don't think he ever took a game off that I've seen, even a rec game. You, you talked about Cupar earlier, and I was thinking about that tonight. If I had to pick an MVP from those two teams, as far as they went, Hucker would be in that conversation with both of those clubs. He's such a competitor. Like, he literally is such a competitor, and um, Hucker was a big reason we had some success, and, and the guys could trust him a lot, too. But if Lumby went back there, nobody blinked an eye. Like, it was... It didn't change. It was just a different number, right? So it was just as good. And on defense, uh, you know, Bart Cote, you know, I know him. I don't think I know a lot of the other guys on the back end, but was was Bart, you know, probably just coming a few years from pro or playing his roller hockey, <laughs> his roller hockey that he always tells stories. Uh, on the back end, is he kind of the the, the lead guy? And then- well, he, he was a key player yeah. for sure because he, he was able to run a power play and he, he knew the game inside out. The, the one benefit, though, is, is that not only you know a guy like that, but they all were. They all had been coached at high levels. They all had played. They all could be coaches themselves. Uh, the most coachable player on the team, and I'm sorry I'm jumping around here, but most coachable player on the team is one of the best coaches in Regina right now, Darren McKechnie. And uh, I sat with, you know, I would talk to Darren what I wanted done, and he'd say, okay. And he'd go in there and lead the way for me uh, to get the rest of the guys on board with what I wanted. Never once questioning what I wanted to do. He was like right there and made it, made it more successful. So any little tweak or system that I wanted to do, uh, I could really count on Darren to help out. And uh, I think that's obviously see why he's such a good coach now because he was able to see the game and and work with what he needed to do to make the whole team better there, there's two other names one's gerald bazell who was drafted by the nordiques uh, out of the pats buzzy was 6'4 230 240 driving in from winyard or wherever was home to him and he was he could settle the whole play down on the ice like everybody could be running around and buzzy get in the middle of it and say all right all you guys the bullshit's over i'm here this way it's going to be. And he was paired most of the time with uh, Chainsaw Poland. And him and Chaney, like they just, they, uh, no two guys should have played together more than those two. They were just perfect together. And Buzzy was a huge, huge calmer on that back end. Kote was hurt for a few games and we missed him, but Buzzy just filled that role so well. Yeah. And then up front, so yeah, you talk about McKechnie, um, who's, you know, heck of a coach great speaker too public speakers <laughs> saw him last year at the I forget yeah. which uh, banquet it was unreal um yet you, you know mark wharton you know steve lee's probably pretty young back there but talk about talk about the forwards a bit well the forwards uh my, my favorite line of the team was was i guess probably our fourth line and uh, our heaviest line and that was our beef line yeah and uh we had uh, scotty reed playing on a line with uh with mark Wart and uh scott barnes and, and barney and, uh, you know, I, I give them a system, and it was their system only. Well, the rest of the lines didn't have the same system. And uh, the system gave them an opportunity to get the puck deep, forecheck, use their strength and size to their advantage, and to wear down the other team's defense every time they were on the ice. They were going to have to work, knew they were going to get hit, knew they were going to have to go get a puck, knew that they were going to be in their face. And the three of them just absolutely took to it and loved it. It was just, that's like,
like I said, the amazing part is there's so many teams you could coach with. You know, if you try to do that in junior, you're going to have one junior guy and say, well, I'm not doing that. I'm Gila Fleur. I'm going to skate through eight guys and try to score. I'm not going to play that role. Yeah. But, you know, that, so that's the kind of team we had. And it got together at a quick time. And everybody grabbed their role and grabbed what they had to do. And then up front, we kind of had to juggle a little bit, didn't we? Especially the, the, lines. the top six, we yeah. had to move them around a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, guys fit together well, worked hard together. And, uh, you know, Sharky can add to that. We had a couple of unique characters up front. So on, on top of the, the top six, if you want to call them, that were they're pretty steady in Wachowski and McKechnie, Butts, and those type of guys. We had Mark Redicky and Perry Fafford. I knew Rex really well. Uh, been involved with him since high school. Was on the Cougars with him and coached him in senior before. And Rexy can do anything you want him to do. He can take the puck on the power play. He can play the point. He can play down low. He can run their goalie. He can go in the stands and beat somebody's mom up. Rexy can cover it all. And Fafford really grasped his role as that special, that penalty killing guy, third line centerman. Like, a little bit of point in the power play. Yeah, right. And good hands. Played at Brandon. Fafford was, so I was thinking about two guys today. Uh, I mean, Rexy ran the Quebec goalie, didn't even try to play the puck. Like ran the goalie, the net, the defenseman right out into a Lloyd Minster parking <laughs> lot uh, in, the, in the Allen Cup. Uh, and Faf was just huge, especially killing penalties. Faf was enormous. Him and McClarty were awesome killing penalties. And those are two key guys that I remember up front that maybe their stats don't show it, but they were very instrumental in what we did. So you can practice, I guess, till you're kind of blue in the face and, and work all that. And then you guys actually, you brought the uh, info here. You guys did play some exhibition games. Talk, talk a bit about those. <laughs> I don't remember them all. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. Like I just laugh when I'm old. Regina Capitals. I don't remember playing yeah. the. Do you remember playing the Caps? Uh, you know what? I don't remember playing them now. Some of those games, though, we we did so many things in the game that we didn't mean it to be a competitive game on our side. It was competitive, but it was more like we're going to be trying this and we're going to be trying that, and it's more important that we try things than it is going out and winning a hockey game. So, uh, focus so focus on our own lineups at that time as a coach myself. Uh, you can mention names of the guys we played against, even in provincials, and I might not remember them because I got so focused on my own team and my own players and who was trying to fit with who the best way and the best to make the best team and the best lineup that uh, in some cases, uh, you know, I might not even remember. Because there, the there was a Capitals game, and I think who, you know, that was, we had Jamie Miller who got a plug in the last, uh, <laughs> in the last podcast, and then Tyler Van Leuven, Mark Dorier on there, and then I guess there was a standing Buffalo game in Dysart. You guys, that would have been to El Dumba's hometown. There would have been a special ceremony, a puck drop, the whole yeah. thing. Right? Yeah, family would have yeah, been yeah, yeah. You guys got to dress upstairs. Yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> it's real nice. Um, yeah, and you guys, you guys beat uh, Standing Buffalo convincingly, ten two. But yeah, like you said, you're probably more working on the systems and all that. So then you get into provincials. But there was one more. Okay, we went to Churchbridge just before provincials started. Churchbridge Imperials. That's what they were called. And they were stark raving lunatics. Like I never seen 15 guys leaning over the board screaming at our players like I've seen. I remember saying to Liskey, where have we gone? Like how far are we from civilization? And uh, Robbie Butts got clipped in the air. I remember he got taken to the hospital, get stitched up. And even uh, Derek Sleeveley said, we got to get out of here, man. This place is a nut show, right? And <laughs> it ended up being a 3-3 tie. They wanted to play overtime. We said, nope, we're gone. We're getting out of here. And uh, the, the rink was packed. It was crazy. It was like a Tuesday night. 
We ran out of gas on the way home. The RCMP had to help us out in Fort Capel. We're not supposed to tell that story. Um, but yeah, it, Churchbridge was a gong show, if I remember correctly. So was that a senior team? That was their senior team, yeah. The old Imperials, yeah. And they, yeah, they wanted to dangle late they in the season. Wanted, they were looking for, they were, they were going to set the pace and scare the big city boys out. Yeah. So then you play Kindersley yeah. in um, first round. Yeah. And yeah. so you win eight, four, seven, two. Was that a home and home? Yeah. And you played out of the Twins. The yes. Twin Arenas, yeah. Was that, what kind of crowds did you guys get? Very good. Unbelievable. As a matter of yeah. fact, I think the game was started at 7.30 and it started about 8, 8.15, 8.40. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Because we were just waiting for people to get, the lineup was out, like out into the parking lot to pay to get in. And we never expected that. Yeah, when we come out to the bench, you're looking up and see the place packed and inside because we played in the main arena. So inside the bar part upstairs, everybody, the windows were all filled. Everything was covered. And there wasn't going to be anybody missing. And it was uh, it was exciting. It, it really made it. Obviously, everybody knows what fans do. So And then um, you play Lloyd yeah. for the provincial banner. Yeah. Um, good series. So you guys win the first one, 6-3. In Lloyd. Yeah. In Lloyd. In Lloyd. And then you lose 5-2 uh, two and 2 nothing. Yeah. So they, they won the second game in Lloyd. That was a game that Cote went out when he got hurt. Ran into Clayton Chapel. <laughs> Ran into Clayton Exact Chapel. same bodies. Yeah. <laughs> probably still out of this. There's now 700 pounds of human I think they, I, I haven't seen Chaps in probably 10 years, but I'm he pretty sure. He was a sure. big kid. Yeah. He was yes, a big, was. big man. Big domes on both of them. Yeah, yeah. Not a complete sentence come out of either of them, but they were big kids. <laughs> Uh, Barty going out. I, I want to say it took a little wind out of our sails because he was a real key on the back end. Uh, we lose game two. We're going home. And uh, we got we got Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. And the Twins, pretty excited. And they beat us Saturday night. I think they beat us 2 nothing if I remember the score. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. And uh, sat, like the place packed Saturday night. I think the 50-50 was like $3,500 wow. was the winning prize. Yeah. And um, Sunday afternoon, same thing. Crestview brought a truck and backed it in where the Zamboni came out as a suite and they had their own beer in their own truck and they would they would come they would drive it up. Why the wouldn't a dealership? <laughs> Why wouldn't a dealership? Crestview Chrysler would back that truck out on the ice so the Zamboni could come out and then go back in their slot on their lawn chairs to watch uh, the game. That's uh, awesome. And then so you win 5-1 then Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I think it's five one or five. Yeah, something like that. And then three one in game five, five, which was in Lloyd. You had to go back to Lloyd for a Saturday night. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So now you guys win the banner. Were you both guaranteed a spot? No, because you had to go play Manitoba. If we if we had lost, Manitoba was in automatically. That's right. So now we got to go beat Manitoba to get in. And you played Manitoba there. Yes. All five games. Steinbeck. Right. Well, they're called Grunthal, but we played, we, out, of we played out of Steinbeck, Manitoba. And you won that series in three, straight three games. straight. Yeah. Are they wow. allowed to drink in Stein? It's not like a dry town. You I'll have to go to a bar outside of town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it was a great series. Uh, three games. Everyone was a tough game. Worked hard. Uh, I had played senior in these situations before, and I, I played back in the eighties with uh, with uh, my uh, Westridge Bruin team. And back then, we were all. 30 years old and younger and we were doing the same thing and we got into Winnipeg and played a really tough Winnipeg South Blues team and uh, lost to them in five games and we lost to them because we didn't know we could pick up an affiliate team because our SHA office failed to 
tell us that to affiliate. We can affiliate it. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, we I knew that. So, I, but at the same time, we had lots of players coming in. But then I also knew that we have to win this because they've got hometown guys that are they're ready to jump in the next game and the next game. Game fives are very tough on the road after five and five days. Yeah. So my my question was because just knowing the process and a lot of guys that have gone to Manitoba and having to play that five game series, they go midweek or you play Thursday or whatever. And you got guys that can't get there until Saturday. Yeah. So did you guys go with a full roster right no. off the hop? No, no, but we did. And we had a couple of guys like Todd Struby came in for the last game only. Struby played game three. So did Witkowski. And Witkowski, yeah. Until Saturday or yeah. Friday night. Yeah. So they both so, had big deals there. We had two on? big fresh bodies ready to roll and help the, the, the guys that were getting a little bit tired out so much. And you were up in the series, which is yeah, because yeah. usually the, it's yeah. the other way around. So, Saskatchewan teams go and they lose the yeah. first one or two. Big yeah. win in game one, two to one. And I was in Regina because I was – so the alley took the bus and whatever bodies we had for game one. They get the win. And you got This is before cell phones. Like, I got to wait for a landline yeah. call from somebody to tell <laughs> yeah. me what happened. I'm phoning you, this. You got to phone the ring. I got to phone the Steinbeck ring. And they to won't find answer out the phone because they Crestview, lost. Crestview they can lost, get you guys so. a sweep, but they can't pick up like one of those yeah. old, old bag phones. <laughs> well, the funny part was, those bricks. so CJVR picked up the, the play-by-play, but they would only put it on the web. How's the web back? How's yeah, the web I, back? I think back there was then? a challenge in 2000 with the web. <laughs> And Kenny Weeb, who now works in Winnipeg and worked for the Winnipeg Free Press, I believe, and now yeah. we're, and since worked for the reporter, uh, Weber did play-by-play with no commercials and sometimes no color, depending if we had a guy that was out or not that could jump in. So I didn't have the web, so I couldn't even get the game on the web in 2000. And so I get the phone call. We won two to one. We're all excited. So 7 o'clock the next morning, I'm taking... I know Jay Satropa was on with me coming to, to, and Calvin Hoffman was the goalie we picked up because we could grab a goalie yeah. then after it was over. But Raymord won the league championship the night before. Oh. So Hoffman literally got dropped off from the party. Yeah. And like he threw his wet bag of crap in the van and said, fuck, Sharky, I got to go to bed, man. I got to fucking lay Smelling down. of darts <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and bohemian. <laughs> yeah. Darts and bo- yeah. So Hoffer sleeps the whole way there. Doesn't wake up when we stop to eat or nothing. So Tropa was in there, and I think maybe one or two other guys that were extra bodies came along. Picking uh, up clothes at the Steinbeck Sand Store. Yeah. Uh, we win 7-2 that night. Uh, got the edge on him. Got some power plays. Uh, Allie did a great job of the lineup that night. I think he got big money out of Fafford and a couple other guys. Yeah, well, you know we got big money out of it. You talk about a defenseman forwards. Well, we had a defenseman that played forward or defense. Uh, Trent Steveley was could have been our unsung hero of the whole the whole thing and a player that came to me at the start and says al i know i'm on the team i appreciate it i know these guys are great hockey players so never feel bad when i don't play a game or you have to sit me out and uh i said gee i really appreciate that good person good guy you want to have everybody happy and he only had to miss one or two really because we always had bodies in and out and all of a sudden i'd say you're playing forward you're gonna play the wing and all you're gonna do is you're going to do this role the whole game. That's yeah. what I want you to do. And he would do it to a T. And then, okay, we need you three shifts on defense because Bart got hurt or whatever. Yeah. So you go back and play a couple shifts on defense. And back. So it was, you know, guys like that that came out. And I know that's a story for every team that has success. And he was uh, a real big reason for us to, well, to do as well as we did. When that guy's 6'4", 230, it makes it a lot easier to move him up and down in the lineup, yeah. too. It changes your dynamic a huge I was going to say, it kind of sounds like a Joel Trap in the Monday Nooner. Put him, put him <laughs> 
put him I, in goal. I'd go ahead and duel with Luke Stevely. No offense to Joel. Love him. But yeah. yeah. So then you get to uh, now the Allen Cup is hosted well, in Lloyd. You've missed. You've okay. Missed the Three. Key, key ingredient. We're going to game three. Okay. We're, we're game three. Now they've moved us to Grunthal. Which is like going, Steinbeck's like going from the Brandt Center to Grunthal to Momart, right? Oh. We are playing nice in the, barn in in the Momart, smallest, though. tiniest dump. Like, not everybody uh-huh. can even fit on the bench. Like, guys had to stand behind each other. Was this on purpose or this just happened the night before? Uh, I, mean, I don't it was on know. Purpose. Was it, I, yeah, think I think so. I don't remember it being preset, but I don't know. I, yeah, I think it was too long ago. Right? We win game three, but Grunthal's like, I don't know, 40 miles from. Uh, Steinbeck, but there's no bar in Grunthal. We can't even get any beer. So we had to get a couple guys in a van to drive to, I don't know, St. Agath or some other town that wasn't religious enough to have a bar. <laughs> and they bought a bunch of beer, brought it back on the bus. I would say the best experience of that whole Allen Cup thing was winning in Grunthal, the party we had that night, and the way everybody came together. The way all those guys came together as a group. Hoffman still in the same clothes, still drunk from Raymar. <laughs> yeah, he's still in the same clothes. Actually, I don't think he got off the bus, to tell you the truth. I think Hoffman's still on the bus. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Okay, so now we're, now let's go to Lloyd. Now we're going to Lloyd. And uh, the Allen Cup, huge deal, obviously. Anybody that's played senior hockey, like that's the tits right there. Um, you guys probably don't have the tournament that you want and and the start so you know was it yeah well no banged up yeah i wouldn't say really maybe we were a little bit banged up but never an excuse uh we got off on the wrong foot first game we took the major penalty uh robbie butts who was just wasn't playing regular and playing all season he was working as an rcmp city police police. yes he was just going to be moving out to lloyd or somewhere he takes a penalty that none of us thought was a penalty and they give him five in a game and we get kicked hard on the penalty. They score a bunch of power play goals in a five-minute major. And we couldn't rebound from it. We kept pushing back, but we just couldn't. There was always something against us. And unfortunately, uh, after that first game, the first time it's a big the hit. players panicked. Yeah. And we tried hard to pull them out of that. We tried to do things. And uh, there was guys that we benched it. You could just feel it. Everybody was yapping. We got. We felt that we were treated very poorly in the first game by the referees. And and but that's no excuse. You have to eat. That happens a lot of times to everybody. And as a coach, that's the one time I felt like I, I just couldn't gra- grasp, get the guys under control, and just have them focus on what we had to do. And we we never were a team that would cat call the referees and holler and swear at everybody constantly. And the whole bench was doing it and I just you could just see we kind of got carried away and we couldn't bring it back and we it's why we lost Al is far too fucking kind to what happened in that game it's two to one midway of the second period we're down to Powell River and it's a good game it's tight both teams are playing well the Lloyd Minster linesman calls a five minute major on Robbie Butts away from the play not in the play it's away from the referee doesn't even see it referee's going this way he calls a major on Robbie Butts oh. away from the play on an incidental contact. Uh, you so know, now he, here is the fourth round draft pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs played last two years with the St. John's Maple Leafs thrown out of the game. And that piece of shit knew Butts was one of our best players. And they score four in the power play to go up six to one. You'd think at a tournament like that, they get refs and linesmen not from the 
They don't well, anymore. Hometown, right? Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's a really Bring good point. Bring somebody in from. And I guess they figured yeah. because Lloyd wasn't playing, fine. But yeah. at the same time, we were playing, and it you know it should have been two teams from outside of Saskatchewan yeah. playing. No, that sure. So you lose ten two. Yeah, ends up ten two. They scored four. They were up six one after six two yeah. and after two. And like Al said, we just couldn't didn't yeah. get the snowball going our way. So again. that's yeah, that's obviously deflating, especially in a, a short tournament like that, right? Yeah. So your next game probably a, a day off or whatever. Uh, you no, play the host right next day. No, didn't even get to no. visit the beer tub girl at the no. old Lloydminster oh, bar. No, cool. we missed her. She's still there. <laughs> did you go to Ezzy's on the border? Is a country bar in the basement? Do you remember if you did? Uh, yeah, no, I don't remember a country bar in the basement. So talk about that and how that went down, and then having to come right back and and play the host in the next game. Well, you try make it hockey again and, and start fresh and we talked about it we thought we were going to and uh but unfortunately it, it didn't happen for us we couldn't get back to the level we were at before coming in to the uh, the level we played at in steinbeck we just couldn't get there and uh like i said i think we just kind of lost our focus on on what we were supposed to be all doing and and to me that's what i know i know there was lots of things that happened but we just uh we had too many players that were playing outside the system wanting to do their own thing and they kind of just because that's what you do everybody does that as a player when when you panic a little bit and you think i have to do something it has to be me that does it and it kind of messed up our game plan and messed up our our team play two things two things happened in that lloyd game that really swung it we're up 4-1 going into the third we're and like, then you, wow. we're in control of the game kyle leggett late in the second gets cross-checked from behind into the wall and has got to leave on a stretcher they got to they got to take an ambulance to get Legsy out the back of the Lloydminster Arena, and so I remember this is broadcast on the on the web. I got to go now phone Legsy's wife, who's pregnant at the time, to boot and expecting a baby any day. That guy's okay. The stretcher's a precaution. Blah blah blah. And about I think about halfway through the third period, Dinger lost one of the marbles and went cuckoo and crosschecked some guy in the fucking melon and. And then, so now they score a couple of late power play goals to tie it up, but the wind had got taken out of our sails so bad. Right? Probably, just, probably skinny Davy Morrell. You know what? It, I've given you the score sheet. If that fucker's name's on it, you're allowed to strike it off. <laughs> yeah. So, but then you get, you know, you do still have the semifinal um, or the game against St. George's St. George. And it's, what happened? You couldn't get things back on the just, rails? We just could not get momentum on our side. We just couldn't. We didn't have the feel anymore. And we had to win by a lot, too. We yeah. it was, now came down to goals oh. for and against. And so, so we had to win by a so You tried to run the goalie, obviously, early. Well, that was Rexy's idea. That we'll <laughs> run the goalie. And so Rexy runs the goalie, turns around, and all the French guys are running to the ref. You have to do something about that. You have to call a penalty. And Rexy's looking like nobody's going to do anything. Like... So Rexy got his five for running the goalie, and nobody said a thing. And Dinger was actually doing color in the box that night, and the French guys had their own play-by-play -play as well. And the French guys are losing their mind in French, which sounds way worse than any other language. Yeah, and probably. And Dinger's going up to them. Push! He was pushed. Pushed. <laughs> yeah. There was nobody around Rex. He ran right over the poor bucket. Easy, settle down. He's probably smoking upside down like they do <laughs> their yeah. black socks on having yeah. sex. Um, so the that year kind of ends, but you still. You, you win the provincial championship the next year. Are you guys heavily involved? I, 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 Sharky is, but uh, because of work, I decided not to. Uh, it hurt because I loved being with the guys. So I just stepped back, and um, Curtis Hunt happened to be around, so they, they grabbed Curtis, and Curtis, yeah, Curtis came in. Curtis Hunt took over. 
Um, for Curtis, it was a real change because he'd come, just come back from the American League and now he's coaching these guys as senior and we don't go to practice every day and we drink beer immediately after probably like, this is a little bit different than what I've experienced. Uh, I would say the second year, there was a touch of complacency too. We're playing Battleford in the first round. We weren't even worried about it. Like, well, yeah, okay, we got to play these two games and we'll go on. And Battleford beat us two games. And uh, was it was it pretty much is it uh, was it same team or did a lot no, of guys there was come lots, back? There was lots of changes. Uh, Rexy Fafford, uh, Buzzy weren't back. Um, uh, I got to think. There was there was probably eight or ten guys that didn't return. Was Hauk there? Hauk was still there, but the eight or ten guys that came in weren't filling the just weren't the same shoe fillers and that's not a knock on any of them because a lot of them are good players uh chris prohar came aaron carpen craig mckechnie came yeah westy came uh blair lettingham came right but when you give up and this is no knock on ledsey when you give up gerald Bazdell for blair lettingham they're both great guys and i love them dearly but yeah Buzzy was drafted by the Nordiques and Westy was drafted by the mine on or Ledzi was drafted by the mine on Americans, so yeah. we've got to do the math. Yeah. <laughs> and if Ledzi hears us, he can call me and give me all the shit he wants. <laughs> <laughs> and would you say Westy? Uh, yeah, Na- uh Westerman. Nathan uh, Westerman. Nathan. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. And so he he joined in and get and then yeah, you guys lose to to Battleford. Do you remember who Battleford had uh, on that team? I was actually gonna add, there was a Watney there, I remember that. There was Martin Sheldon, Smith. Sheldon was probably Martin Demons. I was gonna message retired. Martin Smith and ask him yeah. about it and I Smitty forgot. was there. Uh Blaine Demons was there, I remember. Did you guys lose both did you guys lose there? Or did you back and forth? Back and forth. Lost one and one. Um I don't think that that our mind was set that we were worried about them. We were already, and a lot of guys were already past them. I, I think the year before, and not to not knock Kindersley because we got through them pretty easily. And, but and they had a good squad because you, you brought the papers here. Like yeah. Kindersley, they had um, who Tyler Wilson, Rob Nutley. Yeah. I think that's a um, Kevin Marischak, really good player. He would have been young there. Uh, Joel Boschman, unbelievable defenseman. Yeah, Chris Winkler. Bodies. Yeah, they like they had a really but good team. Their 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 first eight were great. No idea who their goalies are. Yeah, exactly. So I think that was part of what sunk us against Battleford. We'd always thought we already thought we were past them. And, and then, I wasn't coaching. Sorry. Yeah, well, yeah. let's be honest. Let's be honest. You were guzzling in the <laughs> Dysart yeah. no, no, tavern. I, I was I was at the game in Regina, obviously. Packed again. Uh, yeah, it, yeah was it was pretty was, really was, good crowd. Yeah, really good yeah, crowd. Very yeah. good. Yeah. That, you know what? That's the one thing I would say uh, about Regina. When when you bring them a good product, they'll come out and watch. Uh, Monday noon are still pretty empty. Don't, don't anybody get the idea that I want to do this again. But if you were to put a senior AAA team out of Regina, play out of the cooperators, C6, uh, you'd, fill, you'd fill the barn. Yeah. And uh, But just the rules now, though, Sharky, right? Like I don't, don't even know what they are we, now. They we, we, we were different. shooting the shit on the bus out to uh, Wicks last week, and you got, you know, you got Bernhardt on the bus, and you got, you know, Spoons has played a lot. You got Albie, and all these guys reach. You can't. You can't bring all these guys together because you can't buy enough sticks and gas per se. Well, yeah. for starters, and the rules have changed so much. I, I would yeah. say, I would say that there's an opportunity to do it, but the leadership group, and that's where Al was so key to this. Like the players respected him so much because he'd coached at a level they understood, and that was one of the things when the Bethune guys put their team together. And mm-hmm. Russ Nielsen came to me and said, "What's the key ingredient?" I said, "Get a coach the players will respect." Like, I know one of the local guys is probably a fantastic guy, and he runs a bench, and he knows his players, 
Lauren Mullican, right? And they went and got Lauren Mullican. Yeah. Right? And and they didn't win, but I think Mooner took them way further sure. than they could have gone. And yeah. Kyle Ross would have, I want to get into that, yeah, in, in another episode, but Roscoe not playing. Well, he moved to Calgary. Yeah. And I think he broke his ankle or something, and he was he, yeah, was, a little he, bit he was eligible to come back and play, even though yeah. he moved to Calgary, and he was going to. Kyle's married to my niece, which you know. Yeah. And uh, they had a good un- showing. Un- unfortunately, he uh, was injured. Yeah. I think playing rec hockey or yeah. something in Calgary, and wasn't able. to And they play. had a damn good showing there yeah. in in Rosetown. And good as you are, that's as good as the next province is, and the next province, and the yeah. next province. Right? Alberta's drawn from a lot more people, and. You know, when you look down the bench and you go, okay, Brian Sutter's coaching their team, and over here it's Bob Smith. Well, fuck Bob Smith better be pretty fucking smart if he's going to go up against Brian Sutter and I'll coach him in one of these games. And and Hoffman's still drunk. Yeah. Um, Still in the back of the box. So then was there ever a shot at maybe a third year, or was it kind of like the B-sharps, you guys just packed it up? First off, uh, Ted was very unhappy that we lost out in two games in the second year, so that was a bit of a challenge. No disrespect to Crestview as an ownership group. I can imagine you were displeased with a loss in the first round. Did he get a bag phone for year two? Yeah, no, there was no bag phone yet. There was a lot of criticism on the amount of invoices compared to the amount of receipts. <laughs> but um, uh, so getting a sponsorship on board at that level was huge. And then the rules have changed again to make it more difficult to get guys that were playing senior and other teams yeah. to play for this. So um, no disrespect to CHA or SHA or anybody else, but they made it a challenge for us to put a team in that way. You, know, you talk about that. We, we had that same experience when I was uh, still living in Dysart. There was, we had a nucleus of about nine guys in Dysart that – a few, you know, there was Rob Tudor and myself that come back from playing pro, and we had some r- real good players on our hometown people. And then we went out and we got the Kim McDougals, Wayne Wagner's, all ex juniors and pros, and Kelly Livingston, and, and all these guys that had played junior and pro hockey from around the league brought in Barry Peak. And, you know, they were all quality players. We brought in enough guys. We went through the A, there was no nothing past A back that year, there was no Allen Cup at that time. And uh, we walked through the to the province, little town of Dysart, with a lot of help from all the communities. But that's why we picked. We went out and picked the best guys and said, "Listen, you guys are coming in, and we're going to have a hell of a team." We had such a fun year, best ever. Uh, we got to be real close again with everybody. But I'm sure a lot of people mm-hmm. looked at that and says, "Well, they made an all star team from the league," which we did. Yeah, yeah, which is a bit what but, we did too. Yeah, and it would. Yeah, it would be. You know what? If I think the, the way to go about it, if, if if a guy had really deep pockets or won the lottery, and then you could say to a lot of these guys. Don't play your senior for the year. And, you, you know, you pick yeah. your guys from all over and you say, we're going to make a run at it. That, and that's when Adult Safe was pretty new. Yeah. Too, in 2000, right? Yeah. So a lot of guys yeah. were playing Adult Safe, so they're on the ice regularly. And good hockey. Because I played against Hulk and all these guys from Saskatoon. And Crestview had a good team. The Bulls had a good team. Yeah. There were some good hockey players yeah. back then. And lots of guys that we approached, either one didn't want to or didn't want to give up the time or had job commitments or other scenarios. But there was like, there was literally half a dozen other ex NHL or American hockey league, Western hockey league guys that said, no, one of the guys we really wanted was a school teacher out of Moose Jaw, Stefan Govan. And we could not convince him to come over and play. And, um, uh, he would have really added some punch to our forward group. It was very quick, quick quick question. Furthest, Guy came from the furthest. Was it Winyard or was Saskatoon? Buzzy, yeah, well, probably. Yeah, probably. Buzzy from Winyard. A couple yeah. hours, two and a half. Yeah, 
whatever that would be. Yeah, that would yeah. be good. I think most of the guys are in the city. Other You're right on. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Okay, so we're going to have you back to talk about QPAR at some point. because Oh, this, you do not have enough time. We're, for that we're already, but we're going to have to bring somebody in for, for that mm-hmm. one as well. Yeah. And we're already at 40 guys. Thanks so much for doing this. I know a lot of people uh, wanted to talk about this, and it was awesome. I got one more comment to make after 2000. And I didn't know Al Dumba really well when we started that, or even lots of the other players. They're now some of my best friends on the planet. Chainsaw Poland and I cannot look at each other without having a smile about everything that happened. Kai Leggett, Barco Tate, the Steve Lee brothers, Struves. I don't see Witkowski often, but right away there's a there's an embrace because of what happened. And I think that was a very, very special year in hockey for all of us. You know, I, I, I want to mention that too, agree with that. It was really special. A lot of the guys I knew, I didn't know Trent Steve Lee, got to know him well. I knew... Uh, I knew his brother because uh, Dinger, I cut from the Pats. <laughs> and when he came in to try out or to skate with us the first practice, I looked at him and I thought, he looks familiar, but who is this guy? He was like really good shape. And I thought, what did you do to yourself? <laughs> the reason I cut him from the Pats, he was great. He was, I think, 18 years old that year. And I released him because he was probably 225 pounds and shouldn't have been. Yeah. And uh, we released him and found him a place to go out to Victoria. He went out to Victoria played all season he it's his story telling me because he was the most improved player on the team in victoria that year he said the reason i was most improved player is i played myself into shape by the end of the year i was 200 pounds and i was doing really good (laughs) so anyway quick story he put on 25 pounds again that summer went out to victoria and was most improved player again by the end of the year (laughs) but these guys are such treats to be around and such great people that uh you know like that's what hockey's all about and that's why we do it we don't do we didn't do it for the money no but uh, friendships are forever it must have been a lot of fun for you guys hey it was thanks thanks so much for doing this guys thanks for having us on well guys we're in one here and uh we want to give a shout out to fran moran and the nervous rex official band of the pod it's so good send us a, a screenshot of the summertime and on a boat on a lake listening to fran moran because that's where it's at follow us on twitter at monday nooner on instagram buy at monday nooner podcast buy a freaking tarp before the 10th of july hopefully you're hearing this before then yeah and thanks for all the uh, thanks for all the follows guys we're uh it's been absolutely unbelievable and look forward to pushing out some more content for you shout out to our sponsors as we wrap things up spooner dave spooner cathedral electric joel trap realty one thanks again to them for having us here for twirl number eight recording live from their boardroom healthy eyes optometry dr sean fleming great western 22 fresh get those tarps gentle procedures saskatchewan last mountain distillery Dave Price Century 21 Fusion in Toontown and Willie's Roadhouse in Bethune. We're out of here. Here's Fran Moran.